welcome to How I Got Here, the inside stories of startups and innovation in travel and transportation with your hosts, FocusWire's Kevin May and Mozio's David Litwack. Hello there and welcome to How I Got Here. That's Mozio and Focuswire's weekly podcast where we talk to the entrepreneurs and innovators in travel, tourism and transportation. Uh, this week we welcome Jeremy Gould. He's the co-founder and former chief operating officer at Flipkey, the vacation rental website founded in Boston, Massachusetts in 2007. Jeremy and the team steered the company through the late 2000s until selling the business to TripAdvisor in 2012. Since 2013, Jeremy has been an investor, a board member, an advisor, and since 2016, founder and the CEO of Breezeaway, a property management software company also based in uh, Boston. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on How I Got Here. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm a uh, pleasure to speak with you both today. Okay, Jeremy, uh, regular listeners will know tradition dictates that we ask you the same question as we've asked all our previous guests, which is for you to tell us how you got here. Wow. Well, you know, really it starts, my father was an architect and a builder growing up, and I sort of had that in my genes. And then um, through my education, ended up going to law school. I was a corporate attorney working with venture and uh, venture funds and technology companies in Boston. And basically, I saw that everybody on the other side of the table was having a lot more fun than I was um as the clients and it really uh it seemed like i was in the wrong seat and after doing that for a few years i decided it was time to make a change and um very good friend of mine we were thinking about we were both economics majors thinking about what you know the sharing economy was a big deal in 2005 a lot of new companies sharing your cars and we were thinking about boy um, what should we do in the real estate space? These apartments, if you're traveling, they're just sitting there and the utilization is terrible. Wouldn't it be great to uh, help people rent these apartments in the city, very Airbnb-like, uh, you know, when they're not in use? And um, that led us down a path which to a company that eventually became Flipkey. Um, a few more twists to that story Really at that time, HomeAway was just doing a roll up with VRBO. Brian and Carl just raised $500 million and they were rolling up all of these websites, VRBO, vacationrentals.com, et cetera. Um, and people don't probably remember this, but there was this big dogfight between property managers and rent by owners. And I got in the car, I drove to Virginia um, to a Vacation Rental Managers Association meeting. It's a much smaller organization then. And I watched this dogfight play out, you know, on the stage and just listened and then drove all the way back to Boston thinking about how so many folks in the industry, there was no brand, there was no brand recognition. So couldn't we build, couldn't we build brand recognition through guest reviews into a marketplace where we could help managers really showcase the service they provided um, when it was such a fragmented industry, not only against, you know, so they could distinguish themselves from rent by owners, but really good rent by owners who were doing this and pouring all their energy into it. Couldn't they start to build their brand as well? And so we started a marketplace called Flipkey. 
Uh, we took an early investment from TripAdvisor. That's really what got me into the travel industry uh, and, and gave me the bug. Uh, spent a lot of time there, seven years growing that business up and building relationships with lots of property managers, which led me down you know, my next adventure to Breezeway, which was you know, based on a thesis that what really makes property managers, hosts, and owners special about what they do from a hospitality perspective is the service they provide at the property. And it's such a hard job to do. And technology has been helping people get better at that over time. Uh, but there's so much more um, that needs to happen. I developed a thesis around you know, hotel technology. It's very common to have service optimization software. Uh, but when you look at vacation rentals, other real estate asset classes, they haven't followed that model. And I think as hospitality sort of eats the rest of the world, um, that model is coming for every other asset class. And it's really about the experience. So I founded Breezeway and, you know, a few more years later, that puts me here chatting with chatting with you both. Thank you, Jeremy. I mean, if you could take us back, I, I, I'm curious, whenever we speak to somebody that says their first exposure to the industry was witnessing, as you said, like a bit of a dogfight between uh, different entities. I mean, it obviously didn't put you off. But when you were observing that and you were thinking, OK, so how are we going to do this differently? And how do we avoid getting into the same kind of scrapes that the rental industry? I, I remember it as well. I, the rental industry was going through at that particular time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I, maybe that's just what entrepreneurs do um, in that, you know, that scrape and that sort of dogfight is either. You, know, you can run from it or you can sort of see that there's there's opportunity in conflict, I suppose. Um, that probably sounds inglorious, but I think it's true that in that in that conflict, there's opportunity. And I think what we saw was just it seemed and I think entrepreneurs suffer from this, too. Like um, on the one hand, that illuminates like very obviously that there's an opportunity. And yet you're naive enough that you think you can take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, which allows you to go for it. But we really felt like it was so obvious that things were going to change, that you weren't going to always like wait for the, you know, you, you, listeners should know, you, you had to wait for the catalog from one of these property managers to show up at your house to be able to see what the rental rates were for next year because you couldn't book them online. So you waited for the catalog, you figured out how, how much the weekly rental was, and then you called the manager, you, you tried to figure out like, oh, is this a good, is this a place where I want to stay? And it was, it was crazy, right? Um, and we knew that this would have to turn into more of an online shopping experience. Even at that time on VRBO and HomeAway, you couldn't book properties online. You had to inquire, you had to write a check. There was no online booking in 2005, 2006. Uh, and it just seems so obvious that this industry was going to go through a major, major shift. And what kind of customer discovery did you do? I mean, I, I think this period is fascinating because, you know, maybe some of our longer, younger listeners will, will forget that there was a vacation rental industry long before Airbnb came along. So, I mean, I mean, what were you doing in that kind of setup period to kind of test the water that what you were doing was going to be the right way to go? I mean, I completely get that you could see that the online world of it was there for the taking, but what else did you need to do? Yeah, we, we had to be um, 
like I'm sure most people do when they're starting, we had to be incredibly, you know, scrappy about what we were doing. So uh, one of the things we did was we crawled, we found a property manager of size. We started with the property manager segment, which is a bit different than the way Airbnb sort of started. Um, we started with professional property managers. And so what we did was we found the largest property managers in every state um, and we crawled their website and we pulled down uh, and we scraped down their information and their listing information, everything. And we created property profiles for them on Flipkey. Um, and then we told them that we did this and we said, hey, look, we've created this profile for you. Um, we're starting this new marketplace um, and we're going to help you collect guest reviews. And as you can imagine, we received a mixed bag of responses to that process. Can you share some of the uh, slightly more negative responses that you would have got to your um, scraping, if we can call it that? Yes, some were incredibly negative. I think, you know, there were folks who were, were clearly upset. This was, this was their content um, and they wanted it taken down. But at the same time, I would say like the vacation rental industry, you know, it's um, everybody always points to them as like, oh, it's so fragmented. And this is like, there's so much opportunity. And um, or, you know, oftentimes you'll hear people talk about they, they almost treat people in the industry like they're a little they're a little ignorant and naive and that they've sort of missed the boat because there's all this opportunity for new tech property managers. And that's really unfair characteristic. Like these are really savvy. These are really savvy businesses that use a lot of technology and have had to adapt you know, pretty dramatically. So they knew what was happening and they saw the writing on the wall as well that, hey, look, we are, supply is going to be aggregated um, and it's going to be aggregated on the platforms. I don't think in 2006, they expected all this supply would be on Expedia and booking. Uh, dot com, but they thought it was happening, and they wanted some friendly. They wanted some friendly marketplaces, people who understood their business, who were willing. There were little twists to the product that made such a big difference. One of them was we created um, a piece of the product called the front desk, which was we are going to be very clear to travelers and guests um, on the marketplace that you are a professional property manager. And we're going to show them your aggregated listings as well. And then we're going to show them your aggregated review and really help them understand that you're a professional at doing this and put your brand forward, which was unique and very different than, you know, the marketing opportunities they had on VRBO and HomeAway and, and Airbnb. Yeah. I feel like you've mentioned a couple of uh, things here that, very much meeting the industry where it was, you know, how, like, you know, these professional property managers building features to emphasize that they were professionals. And I'm curious how you view about view Airbnb and the rise of, you know, a model that almost completely, you know, took a lot of the lessons and inspiration from vacation rental, but um, said that they weren't going to go after the professionals at least to start. And you must've had a decision-making point at some point in starting flip key where you decided to, 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 you know, uh, I guess, cater to some of these professionals? And how did you look at that trade-off? Yeah, we looked at it as, um, I think you've had plenty of other guests who talk about this as well. And you know, like starting a travel company, is, it's hard, it's treacherous, right? Especially a consumer-facing travel company. And so we looked at it as, 
Like this is going to be our opportunity on the professional side to scale up quicker for supply, right? This is our, this is our best way to scale up supply as quickly as we can. We always knew that there was an opportunity to work with individual owners um, and individual properties, but that we would tackle that second and we would start with professional supply first. And I don't think that was at odds because, and it's interesting, I think this trend, you know, this is part of the thesis of Breezeway and this is a trend that's still playing out at Airbnb and across the vacation rental industry, this professionalization, which is like, if you're an individual owner, um, it's okay to be a hobbyist, but it's become much less okay, I would say, right? It was okay in 2005, in 2021, it's much less acceptable. Um, and Airbnb feels this as well. The whole industry feels it. So I don't think we had to make too much of a trade-off. We had to do some interesting things like, um, for example, TripAdvisor wasn't, when we were trying to get supply into TripAdvisor, which was part of the program, right? We did the strategic deal with TripAdvisor early on at Flipkey. And if you listed with Flipkey, that was your gateway to have your property also listed in TripAdvisor's vacation rental uh, module. Um, but it was hard for TripAdvisor to reconcile um, very thin number of reviews on an individual property as compared to a, such volume of reviews on a hotel, right? You have a 250 room hotel, you're gonna collect reviews on TripAdvisor. It's gonna take you no time to get up into the thousands and get that get the power of large numbers where you're probably going to default back to that 4.25 star rating pretty quickly. But when you have an individual property, that becomes much harder. The, the reviews are just thinner at the beginning because there's only so many guests that are coming through. Um, so assimilating that supply was definitely a challenge as you think about professional, uh, professional listing. How did you go about it? It's funny what you said there reminds me of like sometimes when you're trying to build a new product, you're trying to shove a square peg into a round hole here. And, you know, there's the story about how Tesla refused to have, have their cars be sold through dealerships because of the way that people sold you know, gas cars meant, you know, meant was that they probably would never get uh, electric cars sold. Uh, the incentives were wrong. And I mean, I feel like, were you able to make TripAdvisor see that? Was there, was it almost like a permanent disability that you had trying to, because I feel like, you know, uh, I, I feel like to some extent, um, many of these brands not just now, years and years later are figuring out how to sell vacation rentals. <laughs> and after snatching up a ton of, you know, Airbnb competitors and, you know, and to some extent, like, the fact that Airbnb grew to the level it was was because maybe they didn't adapt quick enough, um, even when they had the, the the users. So you know, I feel like I asked a leading question here a little bit, and someone answered it because clearly the the result uh, you know, answers it. But like you know, tell us about that journey and how you were trying to convince TripAdvisor to to move in the direction you needed them to. Yeah, not easy. I think permanent disability. Uh, I think that's good. That's good phraseology. Um, and clearly we've seen the result, right? We've seen the result that Airbnb has been able to capitalize on that. Um, and that's not the only reason. They deserve tremendous credit for the, the community that they built and really the community brand that they built and feeling, which has been super powerful for them. Um, but also, you know, part of that has been predicated on 
you're absolutely right. I mean, we forget this gets lost in history too. Like Expedia bought vacation rental or vacation spot, you know, back years before Flipkey. And it was a real, it did not go well. They tried to assimilate that supply. They tried to raise prices. Everybody left. It was a listing site pre, you know, VRBO and it just didn't work. And so there are, there's a, there's a graveyard of trying at a lot of these companies. And I think you're absolutely right. They're still trying and, and many not doing it particularly well. Um, we pushed hard. I think we had a good, we had a good, great relationship with Steve Koffer. He wanted to be in the vacation rental business. And this was his entry point. He didn't want to build a vacation rental business from scratch, uh, which is why he did the strategic deal with Flipkey. And he put a lot of control. He gave us a lot of control and he deserves a ton of credit for that. That doesn't mean we didn't have to push the boulder up the mountain um, a lot of times to try and affect change. That sort algorithm was a tough thing to do. It was a little easier for TripAdvisor because they had a separate module for vacation rentals. So vacation rentals weren't commingled with hotels. So it was easier for them to switch the sort algorithm to sort of accommodate the changes we were looking for because they didn't have to change it for hotels. And instead, I think also Trip, now whether or not they've totally executed on it, they deserve some credit for paying attention to what vacation rentals meant also for the hotel industry. Like a lot of the things that we were doing, the front desk, uh, you know, that was the precursor to TripAdvisor business listings. Business listings didn't exist at TripAdvisor until after they saw what we were doing with um, the front desk um, at Flipkey and sort of aggregating that supply. You said one last thing before I turn it back over to Kevin. You said um, an interesting trend there about how um, it's no longer okay to be an unprofessional on, on Airbnb. And I totally feel that too. Like I used to host like six, seven years ago and I was just like, yep, here's the key come crash. And now it's like, wait, like there was a smudge here. And you're just like, yeah, you live in someone's home. <laughs> and it, it is definitely, um, you know, and Airbnb has raised their standards as, as a consequence. Um, I think there's, there's an interesting lesson there about kind of like, you know, cycles and that like, clearly there was a liberalization that needed to happen, a, a, a move away from professionalization that needed to happen. And then now it's, you know, kind of re-professionalizing. Um, like, you know, I, you may not, you know, view it this way, but you kind of alluded to that, like that, you know, it was really professional for a while, then unprofessionalized, I was professional again. How did you view about like flip key, you know, taking advantage of that, that cycle where you, um, yeah, no. Well, yeah, we definitely did. We, we, we definitely took advantage of that cycle. I think it's, it's similar to, um, you know, to large cycles in technology and consumer internet to begin with, right? Which is like, first, we're going to get everything online um, and it's going to be disorganized. Then we're going to make it a little bit more organized. Then we're going to rate it all. Um, and then we're going to try and figure out how to make it better. And I think there's tons of industries that went through those cycles and vacation rentals and hospitality is also one of those, you know, hotels have just gone through it a little, a little earlier. Um, Flipkey definitely helped take advantage of that. I think our goal and we executed on it while I was there um, was we want to be a very client friendly um, service. Like we wanted to find a way to differentiate from HomeAway and VRBO and Expedia and the other, other entities as like, 
this is going to be a place where we take client success incredibly seriously. We're building a long-term partnership with you. We care about your brand and we're here to support your brand. And we invested tremendously in that. And then we carried that over to the homeowners as well. So yes, we were concerned about that, but I think part of like guest reviews and the rating and the TripAdvisor brand as well helps sort of mitigate a little bit of that unprofessionalism, but it was so hard. Like, um, you know, during those times as well, like um, fake listings, phishing accounts through Google, uh, a lot of the stuff that you're hearing, you know, in bad press now, like that was much more common back then. It was a little, it was a little wild west um, in 2007. Jeremy, can you talk us through how, I mean, the relationship with TripAdvisor began very early on and eventually ended up with an acquisition. Now, how do you kind of manage that as a startup yourself? Yeah, I, I think um, at the time, Mark Okerstrom, you know, former uh, CEO of Expedia, was running Corp Dev at Expedia. And Mark deserves a lot of credit for some creative thinking in the way that he structured deals. He probably learned a lot of that from IAC, but they were really creative about how they would structure a deal and a partnership. And at that time, TripAdvisor was still, hadn't separated from Expedia. So TripAdvisor wanted to do the deal, but it was part of Expedia Corp Dev. So it was complicated, but we tried to, remember I was a corporate attorney before this. So <laughs> I was, what we tried to do was sort of structure the deal to say, hey, look, like we are very early on. You're taking a bet on our knowledge and our ability to execute. So let's just build in the opportunity for us to do that. Let's build in the control and the opportunity for us to really execute. Um, and I think we set the expectations as best we could early on so that we mitigated a lot of those sort of issues of how a small startup assimilates with a much larger organization um, internally. And, you know, Expedia and Trip, they wanted to do a lot of deals um, and they care about making sure that when one of those acquisitions goes through that they stick to it because they want to have a reputation of um, bringing these companies in and giving them the freedom to giving them the freedom to execute. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. We said at the beginning that you were taking on these these giants of the industry that hadn't, you know, that weren't doing online booking and some of those kind of uh, slightly more progressive elements what did they what was their kind of reaction to what you were doing was it a, 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 perhaps even a kind of a wake-up call to the wider industry that you know there's this nimble little startup from boston that's come along with all these big ideas yeah i think it's um it's very interesting right we would talk to people and property managers would say it would be common for property managers to say to us um there's no way I'm gonna ask my homeowners to um, get a guest review or let them let people rate their homes. My homeowners are gonna go nuts if you actually rate their homes and they get a negative review. So there's a lot of resistance there. Um, and then I think, you know, at the very at this very moment, companies like Interhome, um, Escapio, which is now owned you know, now owned by Expedia and VRBO, but at the time was independent. They were just starting to facilitate online bookings. And the resistance there was, oh, there's no way. Like my owners don't want, owners will only take checks. 
nobody wants to uh, nobody wants an online booking. They don't want to pay their taxes, so they don't want to have a record. And and it was really you, know, you had to push through all of what today, you know, fifteen years later, it sounds unbelievable. It sounds like not. It sounds nonsensical, but it really that was the environment there. Talk us about the eventual acquisition then. How did it all start coming together? So you were partners. It was a, a, an agreement that was working well. But did you ever sense that there would be a full sale eventually? Yeah, we structured, we actually structured that agreement up front um, for that sort of sale at the end. Because we made a decision early on to say, look, if we're going to take TripAdvisor, if we're going to take Expedia and TripAdvisor on as a strategic partner, um, you know, that is going to limit, that's going to have a cooling effect on some of your, your other exit strategies down the line as a travel company. And so we really needed to lock up what the eventual exit would be an acquisition years down the road. And so we pre-negotiated um, a very complicated exit acquisition structure um, that was sort of predefined right from the start when TripAdvisor made that investment in 2008. Um, and so we knew when it would happen. We knew most of the mechanics, but um, it was a creative structure that leaves a lot of negotiation left on the table is what we that's, learned. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. I mean, I'm not a startup founder myself, David is, but uh, I mean, we get a lot of startups listening to this show. And I wonder how many of them have gone through a process where they've done a deal with someone and set out the terms of what an exit might be, even for just a partnership. Is that quite, in your experience, quite rare or is that quite common? I think it's quite, I think it's common if you're working with Mark Okerstrom, rare <laughs> if you're, <laughs> rare if you're not. Uh, I think they stumbled upon this mechanism and they'd yeah. used it a couple of times because what they were identifying, and, it, and I think there's ways it can work. We should have, in retrospect, a little bit more structure would have been helpful probably to both sides, but it's okay. Um, but what's nice about it is they can support a very early stage company, right? Pre-revenue, pre-launch. When we did the deal, when we signed the paperwork with Expedia, we, were, it was, we hadn't launched the website. It didn't even exist. I mean, we owned it. We owned flipkey.com, but we hadn't launched it. There was zero traffic, let alone zero revenue. Um, and so super, super early, but gave them the ability to take a super early bet, but provide a structure later where, you know, as the company grows, um, there's, there's major upside. There's major upside for the entrepreneurs, but it's kind of, it's, you know, it's slightly capped from the acquirer side. What I find particularly interesting about this is that, you know, we speak to lots of um, entrepreneurs and founders who have a very um, sentimental attachment to the startup they've created. Forgive me if I'm interpreting this in the wrong way, but it almost seems like there is not that much sentimentality around this because you're already, well, you go, let's sign this deal. We've already got the exit sorted out here, lads. This is great. There doesn't appear to be that much, um, uh, dare I say, heart in it. It's much more of a business kind of um, thing that you were doing. Is that fair? No, I think it's a little different. Um, it does change the equation, right? Because now I've got a, I've got a new company, and that's certainly not the, that's not the scenario for Breezeway. 
it does change the equation a little bit because you know you have a time frame, right? You have a, you have an end date and you have a time frame of um, of exit, but the scale and the opportunity is still uncapped, and so there's plenty of heart in it to say it's just a different it's a different sort of beast, which is like okay, like we need to move and we need to get going because we know there's this we know there's this exit. Um, and so let's really push, let's really push forward with this. I don't think it takes much of the heart out. I may sound, you may be picking some of that up because now, you know, six, seven years later, it's, uh, it's in the rear view mirror a bit, especially as you move on to your next company. Um, so I'm a little less nostalgic, um, so many years later, so many years past. Uh, and what was it like, um, once you had been fully assimilated into the the, the mothership, as it were. What was it like being part of a big corporate um, giant that is TripAdvisor? Wow. You didn't stay. Let's. I mean, we look at the dates. You didn't stay very long. I think it would be uh, not that long. Assessment. I stayed the longest of the. Uh, I stayed the longest of the co of the co-founders, but I didn't stay that long. Um, it was okay. I think you know. TripAdvisor has so much opportunity. It's travel, these, these massive travel brands is very similar to smaller startups in the, in the sense that there's just so much opportunity that you're trying to chase, but you have this, I guess it is the mothership, but another way to look at it is like, you just have this huge ship in the water. There's an ocean of travel opportunity in front of you, but turning it and navigating it, it just doesn't move on a dime, right? It's just a big org. And it doesn't move on a dime. So there's lots of opportunity to chase. It just takes it just takes time. And I think um, you know once we were fully assimilated, and I felt like the team was in a good spot and the business was in a good spot, and we'd done our we'd done our job to make the transition. You know, as a if you if you want to be a creator and you want to be a builder, you you want to move on and do something else. Can we can we talk about that then? What what's the what's something else? <laughs> what's the next yeah. thing? Give us the give us the pitch. And I'm curious yeah. how you view yourself and like you're still in the property, you know, like management market here. You decided to go almost to the opposite end of the spectrum in your your given industry. Yeah. So I made the switch because um, a few things happened. You know, I I bought a home in South Carolina. Um, had some kids, I moved to the suburbs and I was really enamored with this concept about like concierge services. And I also felt that like from my experience and what I was seeing that was happening with Airbnb and, and booking and what was happening in the industry, like marketing was, I wouldn't say it was totally figured out, but it was kind of figured out. Like, um, and that wasn't really everybody's problem, but what everybody's problem was like, how do I actually get the work done? How do I service? In the vacation rental context, like how do I service these apartments? How do I make sure people have a great experience? And how do I like, you're not going to be able to replace the boots on the ground. They're always going to have to touch the property. And so I became really enamored with this concept about property care and property service. So that was like one piece of the thesis. Another piece of the thesis was vacation rentals are like perfectly at the nexus between hospitality and property management. They have to do both. And they're like, you know, a lot to a lot of people, they're this redheaded stepchild off to the side of like property management, small little niche thing that's not that small anymore. But in fact, I think it's like a proxy of where so much of real estate is going. 
because of the way they do the job and the hospitality they have to provide while people are there. I think it's like, it is the signal of where everybody else is moving to. So I took those two things together and I said, okay, uh, this is 2015. I don't really know a lot about property management. I know a lot about marketing vacation rentals. Uh, I know a lot about a marketplace, but I don't actually know a ton about what it's like to service apartments. So I started a property management company in Boston um, and I would coordinate any sort of task that people needed to have done at their property, whether it was short-term, long-term, commercial space. You needed a chimney cleaned and you didn't want to have to figure out how to do it yourself. I was your guy and I'll help find the, I'll help find the chimney cleaner, coordinate the payment, coordinate the service and like watch how hard it is. And what I learned is it's really hard. Um, it's really hard. And there's a fallacy that people have good information about the property and they have this rich property profile. And I think what I uncovered was that's just not true. And that, you know, property management software systems are great at the transaction. They're not great at the experience and they don't have good structured property data to pull that off. Um, and then the last piece of the story is, you know, I built relationships with so many people in the vacation rental space and, and I knew right? I knew where the bodies were buried. We'd done 40 property management software integrations while we were at Flipkey. More than that, I'm sure. Um, and I knew what those systems were good at and what they weren't good at. Combining that with talking to a lot of managers, I, I understood that they were not really good at the operations and the service. And there was a huge opportunity to help them be better at that. And so um, that's what we dug in um, to build at Breezeway. It's, it's so funny. We, a couple of weeks ago, we released a podcast with Richard Valter at Muse and he talked about his trajectory and you used kind of a similar term. It's kind of almost like he said, he started with hostels because hostels were the most raw part of all hospitality. And then hospitality is the most raw part of all real estate. And you alluded to the fact that that's where a lot of real estate is going is this operational kind of like, you know, a tangent. What exactly do you mean by that? Do you mean like every every piece of real estate needs you need to be more than just you know a house and you know a, more than shelter? <laughs> but um, well, yeah, yeah, I think you uh, and I think it's always the the nomenclature is always tricky, right? Because you want to say homes, you want to say property, or you want to say space, and and nothing is is totally like captures the moment, but you know, there's a great quote about how like the only thing that we work really taught the commercial real estate space was that like commercial real estate is in the hospitality business. Like that's what they learned. Um, and I think that's super fascinating, right? And so I think what I, what I mean by that is you need to build a relationship and distinguish. I believe many companies will have a very hard time distinguishing their brand based on how well they market you know, how well they market their space, how well they market their property or their home. Um, and they'll really distinguish their brand on how well they service it and what happens with the experience. Every time they touch that property from routine maintenance to concierge services for guests or residents um, to when they inspect it, to do safety checks, uh, all of that sort of builds up to say like, we really care about this experience and we're dialing it in more and more and more. And hospital, you know, hotels figured this out long ago, um, but their challenge is much easier, right? Especially when you compare to like a vacation rental. Hotels have 500 homes. They're all on premise. They all look the same. Super easy to have a thousand page, um, 
you know, brand standard catalog that says, put the trash can to the left of the desk and every time. And that's easy to do because the desk and the trash can look exactly the same in the same spot. You know, super hard to do when you've got 500 unique homes um, and you're trying to do that. Or you have one and you're relying on contract cleaners and, and partners to help get the job done. Um, so that's what I mean by sort of like property service and like the engagement with the space, which I think is so, so unique. Uh, Jeremy, as we get to the end here, uh, I guess a message for the founders and the entrepreneurs that are tuning in. I mean, other than if you're lucky to be able to sign you know, an agreement straight away that also includes your exit terms. What kind of top tip would you give some of the uh, the, the, the nascent companies that are tuning in, something to always uh, keep an eye on? Yeah, I think a few things, like a few tips. Like one, you know, the travel industry and, and prop tech, those two are coming together and there's just so much opportunity. I think we are really at the starting line if you think about this idea of like convergence of hospitality across real estate asset classes, that's really just starting to happen. And technology is what's going to help drive it. Um, so there's so much opportunity. So I think, you know, as a first tip, like dig in. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a ton of opportunity and technology that can really help folks. And over time, it's become easier, right? Like, 15 years ago, dealing with some of these APIs didn't exist. The APIs are becoming more robust. There's access. Um, and so that should help you. Um, and next, you know, really think about how you can deliver value. It's, it's all about, in my opinion, how you can deliver value to your clients um, and making sure that you're pursuing a product that really delivers value to your clients. Um, and the quicker you can get to that moment, it sounds very, you know, very obvious, but I think lots of folks can lose sight of that. The quicker you can get to that point, the better off you are, which means, you know, you have to end up getting close to your clients and customers and really understanding their problems. Do the work and the research to really talk to them and understand what their challenges are. Uh, and it'll be illuminating and it will lead to um, incredible opportunities. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much for your time today. Great to spend some time with you. So for all our listeners, this has been How I Got Here, Mosey and Focus Wires, a weekly podcast about innovators in travel, transportation, and hospitality uh, with Kevin May, the editor-in-chief of Focus Wire, and myself, David Litwack, uh, the founder of Mozio and Ground Control. Uh, thanks, and please uh, subscribe on Spotify, our Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, whatever you uh, happen to use, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks so much. for listening to how i got here podcast we'll be back next week with more inside stories behind startups and innovation in travel and transportation check mozio.com move for a complete write-up of the highlights of every podcast with translations into five languages and get your daily dose of news on the digital travel economy by subscribing to the newsletter at focuswire.com see you next week